0: So this morning, uh, if, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of James, the book of James chapter four. If I had a favorite chapter or a favorite book in the Bible, I think it's probably maybe okay to have a favorite book. You have a favorite book in the Bible. Mine would be the book of James. James. And the reason that it is the book of James is because James is pretty straightforward with uh, the way it phrases things, the way it says things. It's not like you read it and you're like, oh, I don't know what he meant. It's pretty clear. And so even to make it more clear this morning, I'm going to read out of the, the easy to read translation version. Like, it's, it's easy, but it's going to be easier, if you're with me. So, how, how many likes it when it's easier, you with me? Uh, some of y'all very intelligent people, uh, you, might, you might just like, this is just too easy, but uh, bear with us other people. I know I say this a lot, but this may be as important a message or as valuable a message as you will hear me preach. It is simple, but it's very powerful and very, uh, uh, I think it's the heart of God, what we're going to talk about this morning, and so, um, and it's good a good word to take into 2024 uh, to be strong with, Uh, James chapter 4, the title is, Whose Kingdom, Whose Power, and Whose Glory? You know the Lord's Prayer, it says, yours is the kingdom, kingdom. yours is the power, power. yours is the glory. For how long? How long? Do you know how long forever is? No, you don't know because I don't know either. We can't comprehend in our finite minds. We cannot comprehend the infinite. We, we can't do that. Only God can understand the power of forever. And, and so this morning, if you ever turn to, turn to James chapter 4, and James gets right to the point in the easy-to-read version The first point is that we are to give ourselves to God. It seems kind of simple, doesn't it? Just, well, oh, yeah, I mean, that's what we talk about all the time, give yourselves to God. The problem is, is that we want God to give himself to us. <laughs> it's like we want God to be there for us, but what he says is that He wants us to be there for him. In other words, what we say is we want God to exist for our purpose. And God says, I want you to exist for my purpose. Whose kingdom? Okay. Oh, but let's just pray. I I feel like I need to pray. Because this this is like important. Lord, please help us. Lord, take our hearts and take our minds, take our thoughts, help our thoughts to, in this next, what, 20 or 30 minutes, Lord, it would be the most powerful time. Holy Spirit, take these words. Anoint your words, I pray, in order to help us to humble ourselves before you be teachable this morning. Amen. This is big stuff. It's important. So he gets right to the point, like you knew he would. He said, do you know where fights and arguments come from? Anybody been doing any of that over the Christmas season? Don't raise your hand, it's okay. <laughs> what is it about the holidays that brings out the fights and the arguments? Do you know where fights and arguments come from? What a great question. They came, They come from selfish desires that make war inside of you. They make war on the inside. You see, the fights and arguments on the outside are a product of what is happening on the inside. I'll wait on you. Verse 2, you want things... But you don't get them. So you kill and are jealous for others. And I read this. And we, we, and we talked about it a little bit last week about what, what you want. And we always ask, What do you want? What do you want for Christ? What do you want? And we always, when we pray, we tell God what, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we tell God what we want, right? Instead of asking God, what do you, you want? So I just want to kind of change the prayer a little bit. I mean, and I would challenge you, instead of coming at him with things that you want, come at him and ask him, what is it that you want? It's a little bit of a paradigm shift. And then it says, you, <laughs> this is, it says You want things, but you don't get them, so you kill and are jealous of others. And I've read this. I've read this all my life. I've read this because I love this book. And and it's like, well, I ain't killed nobody lately. (laughs) But then the Holy Spirit, you know how he is. He deals with this, and he asks the questions, have you killed any relationships lately? The wars that happen inside of us that come on the outside and then they come out of our mouth and then relationships are killed because of what comes out of our mouth because what's in our heart always comes out of our mouth and then relationships are killed because of what's in our heart. Okay, I'll move on. And a lot of times, it's, jeal- it's jealousy that causes those things. And then it says, but you still cannot get what you want. I, I, no matter how hard you try and you do all of these things, you still don't get what you want. So you argue and fight. You don't get what you want because you don't ask God. First of all, you remember Proverbs Three, five, and six—we all got that memorized, right? We should trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all, everybody say all. all. All your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. And what happens is, is many times we don't. And let me just give a little disclaimer here: when I'm preaching. I'm preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to you. I hadn't got all. I told somebody this past week, I said, preaching is easy. Living it is the hard part. Anybody can preach it. But living it. So what it says here, it says, you don't get what you want because you don't ask God. And then it says, or, everybody say, or or when you ask you don't receive anything because the reason you ask is wrong you only want to use it for your own pleasure oh man is that is that convicting that convicts me that gets to me cuz like when when I buy a horse I don't buy a horse so I can let everybody and their dog ride my horse yeah. And God's convicted me about that so many times because when we pray over our horses and we dedicate our horses to the Lord just like we dedicate our kids and our our marriage, we dedicate business, we dedicate the church, we dedicate and give everything to God and then we give them horses to God and then somebody does it, their horse gets crippled or they get hurt or something and they don't have a horse to ride and then God reminds me and he asks me the question, whose horse is it? Well, it's your horse. Well, I want so-and-so to ride my horse. You know why we, you know why a lot of people don't want to pay their tithe? Because it's not God's money. We don't give it to God. Okay, I'll move on. I didn't tell, I told you it wasn't easy. Oh, I hear people every once in a while, they're like, like, Pastor, if I win the lottery, we're just going to build a big sanctuary. That way we won't have to have four services every weekend. And we could, well, I'm going to build you a big sanctuary. And, And my response to them is always, God is not interested in what you don't have. What are you doing with what you do have? Because he's sure not going to bless you with more until he can trust you with what you already have. Don't be saying, well, if this happened, I would do it it now. Why wait for the lottery? Verse 4 says, you only want to use it for your own pleasure. Lord, help us. Help us to, to get this in our hearts, though. Honestly, the things that God blesses us with, he gives it to us so that we can be a blessing to him, and if people are God's greatest treasure, God has given us what he has given us to be a blessing to others as well. Amen? And part of that deal, some many of y'all have given your house for our, our life groups, and you have Bible studies at your house every, every week or every other week, whenever you have your Bible, but you do that because you realize that it's not your house. And I just want to say thank you for that because that's, that's a blessing to the kingdom of God because the eternal things are the most valuable things, and when we invest in the most valuable things, it gets the greater blessings from God. Amen? Amen. Mm-hmm. Verse 4, you people, this is an easy translation here, you people are not faithful to God. You should know that loving what the world has is the same thing, loving what the world has is the same thing as hating God. Craving what the world craves is the same thing as hating God. Stay with me. So, anyone who wants to be a friend, be friends with this evil world, becomes God's enemy. When the things that the world offers us, the evil things that the world offers us, and that's the reason that the church will always be an enemy to the world. The world will always hate the church. The world will always hate the, the, the moral standards that God has placed and, and, and the laws of God will always be an offense to the evil of the world. So don't be surprised when the world doesn't like you if you're living for Jesus. If the world doesn't agree with you because you're living with you for Jesus, if the world is offended by you because you're living for Jesus, I love this song. I what what's it what, what does it say? It says, I we sang it this morning. I am who you I am not who the world says I am. I am who he says. It's big stuff. Big stuff. Big stuff. If you want to be friends with this evil world, we are an enemy of God. Verse 5, do you think the scripture means nothing? The scripture says the spirit God made to live in us wants us only for himself. The spirit that lives inside of us wants us only for himself. I'm a married man. And I don't want to share Pastor Darla with any other man. Them fighting terms, and I got a gun if I need it. (laughs) We, We ain't going there. The Bible says that you and me, that we are the bride of Christ. Everybody say, I'm the bride. I am the bride of Christ. So what he's saying is, is that he doesn't want to share his bride with any other Anything in the world. He is a jealous God and he doesn't want the church committing adultery with the world. Does that make sense? But the kindness of God, everybody say the kindness of God. The kindness of God sh- that God shows is greater. As the scripture says, God is against the proud, but he is kind to the humble. He resists the proud, but he is kind. He brings blessings. He anoints the humble. He gives information to the humble. He he gives direction to the humble. He, He gives a path of life, and he gives purpose of life to those who are humble. To those who will listen, those will be the ones that are blessed, and those who will learn from the Word of God are the ones who will be blessed by the Word of God. But he resists the proud that says, I know better than God knows so important. Verse 7, so give yourselves to God. Pretty simple. Give yourselves to God. This is like great standard to live by. It says, stand against the devil and he will run away from you. The King James Version says, resist the devil. Bring up resistance against the devil's influence in your life. Come up against the influence of the world in your life and all we have to do is resist it says and he will oh he's just just scared of this the devil he knows that god is all powerful it says just resist him and he'll run from you don't be a friend with the world resist the world don't be a friend of the devil resist the devil he will flee from you Oh, whoa, 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 stay right there. I think I missed the part. Where, Where was I? Oh you give yourself. To God stay with me I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this point here it says come near to God and he will come near to you you know who in, in this scripture who has to move if it says come near to God who's going to move yeah. you me it says come near you come near to God and God will come near who who makes the first move you know God Listen to me, God has already made his move toward us. But he says, it's your turn. You have to do something for you. You come near to God, and he's gonna come near to you. And then it says, you are sinners, Everybody say, I'm a sinner. And, it, and it, if you didn't say that, like, from your heart, uh, you really need this message really bad. Yeah. I used to be really religious about religion. But when I come to grips with who I was and, the, and how, my goodness, how bad I needed Jesus to help me. He says, you cleanse your hands. You come near to God. Had a, when my dad was, was pastoring, he had a guy, and I've told you this before, but he had a, he had a guy come down here, the, and he, was, he said, this guy asked dad if he would pray for him to quit smoking cigarettes. And so, dad prayed for him, and then he came back the next week and asked dad to pray for him, so he prayed for him again. And the third week, he come back again and asked dad to pray for him, and dad said, I'm not gonna pray for you anymore. And the guy. And, and dad said, I got a word for you, though. He said, what's that? He said, two words, stop it. What he was saying is that you have to participate. If you want, if you want God to do something, You can't just pray to God and say, God, do this and not participate. You have to do something for yourself if you want it and want to ask God for it. Amen? So it says, you are sinners, so clean sin out of your life. You do it. You clean sin. Oh, I thought God was supposed to forgive me. Well, he does, but you have to clean, clean it out yourself. You are trying to follow God and the world at the same time. Make your thinking pure. Be sad. Be sorry. And cry. Change your laughter into crying. When was the last time, it's just just a question. When was the last time you cried over the sin in your life? You wept because you hurt the God, the, you hurt the heart of God in your sin so bad that you wept over your sin in repentance because you knew that you hurt God's heart. When was the last time you wept over your own personal sin? I think it's important for us to do that. is change your joy to sadness. Be humble before the Lord, and he will make you great. In other words, the more humble and the more teachable we are to God, and the more glory we give to God, the more honor we give to God, and the more power we give to God, the more power God gives back to us because we understand that it's from him. It's not by works of righteousness that we've been saved, but it's because of his mercy, and that that in and of itself will humble us. Amen? So the first thing is to give yourself to God and and instead of asking God to give himself to you, you give yourself to God and the second thing is that, that you are not the judge. Many times in our heart and in our flesh, we want to judge. It says verse 11, brothers and sisters, don't say anything against each other. It's the easy-to-read version. (laughs) Don't, well, there's some, no, it says don't say anything against each other. What would your world look like if you never said anything against anybody and nobody said anything against you? Wouldn't that be a sweet world to live in? Well, we have to start with ourselves. We can't do anything about what other people say about us, but we can do something about what we say. And what we say about other people. So this uh, I was, uh, we could probably just go home after this one little challenge right here. Don't say anything against each other. Here it says, if you criticize your brother or sister in Christ or judge them, you are criticizing and judging the law they follow. Stay with me. And when you are judging the law, you are not a follower of the law of God. You have become a judge. God is the one who gives us the law, and He is the judge. He is the only one who can save and destroy, so, it is not right for you to judge anyone. Don't raise your hand on this, but uh, is there a critical spirit in you toward anybody? I mean, the church, and you see, the world, they thrive on criticism, and they have taught the world to, they have, the world has taught the church to be critical. I'll wait on you on that one. The world has taught the church, and the church has picked up on the criticism that the world has brought to the church, and the church has become critical of each other, and when we become critical of each other, we bite and devour each other. So the challenge is is to not be critical because when we're critical of one another, what we're saying is, God, I don't trust you with this person and I have to dive in there and I'm just going to say what I feel like saying because, God, you're not doing a good job with that person. Actually, what happens is, is that I want to be the Messiah of this world and I want to judge those people and I want to be critical of those people. And what that does, it brings us down and it separates us away from God because that's what the sin nature in us does. Sin separates us from God. And when we're critical of other Christians and other people, what we're saying is, is I'm not going to follow God as being the ultimate judge and I'm I'm going to take on his job for him. Let me just tell you, God doesn't need you to do his job. I don't know if you've ever been in churches that they're just like, they're always mad at somebody. You ever been to them churches? I'm like, we're not. we're not going there. It's not who we are. So it says, uh, give yourself to God. You are not the judge. And then the last one is, let God plan your life. <laughs> It's like, well, I'm okay with those other two, but I I just got to plan my own life. Well, when we were baptized in water, when we got in this water trough, ooh, it's got water in it. When we got down here and we got baptized, and we went underwater, and we died out to our will, we said to God, I am going to die out to my will and I'm going to give you my life and I want your will in my life. And then when we get out of the water trough, we're like, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean it all like that. Some of it, yeah, if I agree with God, God if I, if I, if I think what you're saying is good i I'm, I'm good with it. but like some of them things that you're asking me to do like me to deal with my horse that's a little overboard. I'm going to tell you something with God, you cannot ride the fence the only thing riding the fence will do for you is give you a sore butt. You can say that in cowboy church. So let God plan your life. Oh, I want to plan my own life. It's better. God will do a much better job of planning your life than you will do it planning your life. How many knows that's true? I know that's right. So verse 13, some Of you say, today or tomorrow, we will go to some city, we will stay there for a year and do business and make money. Listen, think about this. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. That's the one thing that we figured out over the years is that we just really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I like that song, uh, I Don't Know About Tomorrow. I don't know about tomorrow, many many things about tomorrow. I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds the future, and I know who holds my hand. He holds the future, but we don't know. And then it says your life is like a fog. The King James Version says it's like a vapor. It's just like this vapor, and then it disappears. This This is just a dress rehearsal for the big thing. This life is so, I mean, if we could really get a hold of this concept that this life is so brief. All us old people, we know that because life just keeps going faster and faster and faster. We know that. But you younger people, listen, life is short. Life is short, it's brief. Life is like a vapor like a fog it says you can see it for a short time but then it goes away so you should say if the lord wants we will live and do this or that if god wills if this is god's will just like the the lord's prayer thy will be done on earth as you have planted in heaven in 2024 i only want what you want For me, what you have planned for this world is what I pray for this world. And the things that you want in my life is what I want in my life. Whatever your plan is, that is my plan. And I give my will up so that I can do your will because I trust you more than I trust me. Oh, such freedom with that prayer. The Lord wants... uh, and it says, but now you are proud and boast about yourself. All such boasting is wrong. If you fail to do, if you fail to do what you know is right, you are sinning. If you fail to do what is right, you are sinning. In the King James Version, I think it puts it this way: He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is. Sin. I like this better because there's a lot of things that I don't do well. I don't. There's a lot of things I don't do good. He. I know to do good, but I uh, uh, like like I'm not a good. Uh, I'm not a good. I'm not a real detail man. I'm not good at details. I'm like a thirty thousand foot guy, and there's a lot of people that are a lot better at it. So I let them do that. In the the roping world, I'm not a good healer. I don't heal. I head better than I heal. So, uh, and I think about this, and I read this verse, and I like this way, the way this puts it better because it kind of lets me off the hook when I mess up roping. Because there's going to be things in life that you do well, that you're gifted to do well, and then there's going to be things that you're not really gifted to do very well. And there's a lot of freedom in knowing that. And if you're, if you're still of the proud concept of, well, I can do anything well. No, you can't. You're not gifted to do everything well. So when we do what we do and we do the right thing, it's like what does the Lord require of you to do justly, to do the right thing, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? And we do the right thing because it, because morally we can do the right thing, always do the right thing morally, right? Yeah. I said we can always do the right thing morally. Amen. And I said always. And the reason I said always is because... He said that he would give us power to overcome the sin in our life. When he gave the Holy Spirit, he said, you shall be endued with power from on high and I will give you the authority to tread on demons, to walk in the light as he sheds the light in your path. And we can do anything through Christ. We can overcome sin in our life. But that doesn't mean that we uh, are gifted to do anything. Everything in this world that we want, because only God knows. I want, I'm going to give this to you real quick, and I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, uh, three mountains that you weren't made to climb, and I'm going to quit. God planned for his people to be distinct about their peaceful and humble attitudes. Both our words and our actions mark these qualities. People who claim to be self-sufficient must recognize that their plans and their lives are not their own, but could change in any moment. There are certain mountains only God can climb. The names of these mountains, your kingdom, your power, your glory, Matthew six thirteen. And these mountains, they're peaks. They're far above the clouds. You can admire them. You can applaud them you can't climb them. It's not that you're not welcome to try. It's just that you're not able. You see, the pronoun is thine, not mine. The kingdom is not mine. It's thine. If the word savior is in your job description, it's because you put it there. Your role is to help the world, not to save it. The first mountain is uh, Mount Messiah. It's the one mountain that you weren't made to climb. The biggest challenge Adam and Eve in the garden was that they wanted to become like God. And mankind has never stopped wanting to be God. But man will never climb that mountain. You can try You can try to be God over your life. You're going to mess it up. The second mountain is the mountain of self-sufficient. You're not a self-made man. You didn't make yourself. You aren't able to run the world, nor are you able to sustain it. You can't even save the planet. You're not that good. The world would like to tell you that you can save the planet. You're not God, and they're not God. Some of you think you can. You're self-made, but you don't blow your, you don't bow your knees. You just roll up your sleeves, put in another 12 and a half hour day, which may be enough when it comes to making a living or building a business or making a lot of money. But when you face your grave or your own guilt, your power, won't do the trick you were not made to run a kingdom nor nor are you expected to be all powerful and you certainly can't handle the glory we've seen people try that the second mountain is the mount of or the third mount. third mountain is the mount is mount applause It's probably the most seductive of the three peaks. The higher you climb, the more people applaud, but the thinner the air comes. Whenever you get real high on yourself, the air gets pretty thin up there. You see, the gifts of the world will never compare to the gift of Jesus. We can look for fulfillment in the things that the world offers, but we'll never have complete fulfillment and purpose for our life until we know the one who knows us, the one who created us and the one who made us. More than one person has stood at the top and shouted, mine, mine, mine is the glory. We see him every day on the internet. We see him on TV all the time. We see him in sports, uh, on the football fields. Mine is the glory. Only to lose their balance and fall. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. What protection this final phrase affords as you confess that God is in charge and you admit that you aren't, as you proclaim that God has power and you admit that you don't, as you give God all the the applause, there is none to inflate your brain. (laughs) One of the things I've realized is that this year in October, I'll turn 70 years old. I'll be like an old, old guy. Like an old guy. Yeah, an old guy, just like you, Ronnie. But I realize more than ever that everything that I have accumulated for 69 years I will not be able to take any of it with me. Amen. And if I can't take it with me, do I really own it? Because whenever I die and they put me in the grave and my body's dead, my body will be dead, but I won't be dead. Amen. The transition from death to eternity will happen when I take my last breath. And where I spend eternity will be determined by how I live my life now. I won't be around to tell people they can't ride my horse. Everything that I worked for so hard all my life, somebody else will be happy to take over for me. And they're going to do whatever they want to do. You know why? I'll be dead. And it doesn't matter whether I'm good with being dead or not good with being dead. I'm still going to be dead. There's only one kind of dead, and that's dead. But I don't think we live our lives like that is really the way it happens. And there's something about death is that that we don't really understand either because a lot of young people, they're like, well, I'm just going to sow my wild oats now while I'm young. And then when I get old, I'll just pray for a crop failure. But death has no respect for age. I've done funerals for babies that are a day old, and I've done funerals for 90 year old people. And death, death, it has no respect for age. The scripture says this it says, Behold, today is the day of salvation. And what he's saying is, he's saying, that we have to understand that there is only one who can, who is able to give you the power to transition from death to eternity and eternal life, or death to hell and eternal damnation. And people say all the time, Well, I can't believe that God would make hell. Well, God did not make hell for you to go to hell, but you. And me, well, if you if you've listened to anything I've been preaching about, we are the ones who make the decision whether we're going to honor God and move toward God and follow God, or if we're going to move away from God and listen to the what what the world says. You, did you notice that for big band and for Christmas Eve, you couldn't hardly get a seat? This is the most, is the f- most full t- service we have, and we got empty chairs. What am I saying? I'm saying, thank you for prioritizing Jesus. Thank you for watching online and prioritizing Jesus. I got a friend in Fallon, Nevada, came up to me while I was in Las Vegas at the rope. He said, you don't know me, but you're my pastor. He's probably watching right now. Yeah. He says he came back to Jesus, started watching online, he came back to Jesus and made Jesus the Lord. You could tell he loved Jesus with all his heart. Out on a ranch, out there in Nevada in the country. We went to Great Wolf Lodge this past week, took, my, took our grandkids, pastor, daughter, and I took our grandkids up there. Guy come up to me, we was, we standing in line to get to get our drinks at the soda deal. He said, "I just want to come shake the hand of the man that led me to Jesus." Wow. Yeah. I'm like, yes. "I'm gonna tell you something. This is not easy, but it's worth it." Yes, it is. You have kids. You have grandkids. You have people at work. You have influence. You have influence. You have influence. Everybody here has influence over somebody. Use it for the right reason because we're not our own. We don't want to be our own. We don't want to have to try to climb them mountains. I don't want to be God. I want to submit to the one who is God. I'm not perfect, but I'm working on it. I, I'm, we're late my goodness I just looked at the clock thank you for loving us Lord thank you for your blessings this morning if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior and you know you need to do that slip your hand up high preacher that's me I need Jesus in my heart yep leave your hand up We want to put a Bible in it anybody else yep thank you thank you leave your hand up right up here guys anybody else preacher that's me I need Jesus in my heart slip your hand up high we want to put a Bible in it yep thank you right here Yep, thank you right there too. Yep, yep, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Slip your hand up high. Anybody else? I need Jesus. I gotta get my heart right this morning. I gotta get my heart right. Yep, thank you. You can put your hand down. When you get your Bible, you can put your hand down. Anybody else? I want you all to pray with me. If you raise your hand, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Meet it in your heart. Let's all help and pray. Just say, "Dear dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible, to pray, show up for church, and get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer this morning and you meant it in your heart, you are born again. And don't look back. You got the same same challenges when you leave this place. And some of y'all, I felt like somebody watching online accepted Jesus this morning. And I just pray for you that God will bless you. And uh, uh, let us know. Call the office. We want to send you a Bible. Stand with me, please. Oh, goodness. I'm going to pray for y'all. Can you just raise your hands? Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, to follow you closely. Lord, help us to speak life into people. Help us to speak life into ourselves. Help us, Lord, to submit to you, O God, to your word and your power. Forgive us, Lord, for trying to take the reins of our own lives and take us where we know that it's not healthy for us spiritually. Help us, Lord, to be faithful everything we do, everything we do, in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. amen. God bless y'all. We love you. You got a prayer team up here. If you need special prayer, we'd love to have you. God bless you. Have a great week.